Joseph, amen, and I'm coming at you live here on Facebook, and um, thank you for those that have joined and those that are getting ready to join, amen. <laughs> um, I just uh, give it another minute or so, just wait for some people. I've got the uh, word of the Lord has came to me, and um, I want to I want to bring that forth, amen, and uh, amen. I'm thankful for the purpose of God, amen. I'm thankful for the will of God in our lives, amen. 
Hallelujah, Father. Well, like I said, I trust everyone's having a has had a good week. Amen. I trust that you're maintaining your oversight over your soul. Amen. How many of you know that the soul needs oversight? Amen. Just like a child does, and he's got to be told, "Don't do this, don't do that." Our soul needs to be governed by our spirit. Amen. And uh, that reminds me of a principle: is that you can't have uh, peace without government. Government is peace. In other words, when governments are established in your heart, your spirit man is ruling over your soul, you begin to experience the peace of God, amen, the rule of God, amen. And uh, another thing is, is that, you know, we're gifted and we're talented, right? We have the gifts of God. We have the domas, the phaneroses, the manifestations, the charismas, you know, the different graces on our lives. And uh, we're about our Father's business, amen, but all that has to be governed, amen. So you can't have gifts without government. And that's not where I'm going today. We're not going to be talking about that, but I just want to encourage you to understand what the will of the Lord is, first of all, and that we must come into that place of discipleship and ultimately where we're servants, where we're serving the Lord no matter what we are. You know, I have these great gifts and talents and abilities, but I'll mop the floors, I'll sweep, I'll serve you food, I'll cook for you, I'll do whatever it takes, amen, to to accomplish the work of God and. uh that's one thing about when we went to Kentucky, that's one thing that the was was uh, noted by the people that we were there in their home, Brother Lynn and Sister Sheila, and that uh, <clears throat> they noted that every one of us just did what was needed to be done. There was no hierarchy, if you will. And uh, and that's you know, that 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 that's what we want, right? We want to be able to be served, servants to one another, amen. All right, so let's go ahead and pray. It's 9.05. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for this precious time and this precious day, Father. I thank you for your faithfulness and how you watch over your word to perform it in our lives, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that you're not a man that you should lie, neither the son of man that you should repent, Father, for have you said it, shall you not do it, and have you spoken it, and shall you not make it good, Father. And we can depend on you, Father God. We can depend that you're going to do what you say in your word, Father. And I thank you for the revelation of the Holy Ghost in my heart and my life, what you've revealed to me, what the Lord Jesus has revealed to you, to reveal to me by my, by my spirit, amen, and what I'm going to bring to your, to your people, Lord God, today. And uh, I thank you, Lord God, for the teaching, amen, the makrothamia, understanding how to inherit the promises of God, amen. And I thank you, Lord God, for those that are partaking today, and those that will partake in the future, Father God, I thank you for your precious Holy Ghost, amen. I thank you, Lord God, that I will not go up, Lord God, unless your presence goes with me, amen. So shall we be separated, both I and that people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. There's a distinction, amen, in our lives, Father, and that distinction is this precious Holy Spirit, amen. I bless you, Father, and I give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, I was, uh, I was reading my Bible the other day, and and, uh, you know, I was reading that passage in Joshua, right, where Joshua chapter 24, where starting with verse 14, and he, and, he, and he made a statement here. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity, verse 14 here, and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. All right, so they have gods that served on the other side of the flood and the gods of Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served that on the other side 
of the flood of the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, glory to God, we're going to serve the Lord. And we've seen that, you know, I've noticed that, you know, that's a very, very popular passage there. About, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? So I got to looking at this, and <clears throat> first of all, they were in the land of the, of the Amorites, all right? And then uh, I started I started investigating, you know, some a little bit about Moab and Amorites, and 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 all of a sudden, you know, I saw this uh, this deep work of Satan, right? That he's been working from from the beginning, if you will. So in John chapter sixteen, verse eight, let's go to that. John chapter sixteen, verse eight. All right. Well, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Right? It's, it's, it's necessary. It's conducive. Right? That I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, which will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Okay? And when he has come, all right? Remember, come is this word that means, uh, it means, uh, you know, to arrive right, to come from one place to another, use both a person's arriving to appear, to make one's appearance, to come before the public. So when he has come, when he makes himself known and apparent, right, this is what the Holy Ghost does, He part of what he does. He will re reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because you don't believe on me, Jesus is talking here, but in other words, you haven't accepted the work of righteousness, so the world obviously here, but also the believer. The, the world is already in sin, right? They don't repent from sin. They repent from dead works, right? And they accept Jesus Christ. The scripture says he was made sin to be sin for us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and so on. Of sin because you believe not on me, right? And again, belief is to think, to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit, to place confidence in uh, in the New Testament of the conviction and trust to which a man is impelled by a certain inner and higher prerogative. Amen. In other words, he's, 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 he believes, right? So they don't believe on Jesus Christ, verse 10, and of righteousness because I go unto my Father and you see me no more. You see, Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. We are righteous before the Father because of Jesus Christ. Amen. So because I go to my Father, I withdraw myself. I, 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 I hupago. I come back under my Father. Amen. That's what Jesus is saying. The righteous because I hupago. I come and I bring under to my Father. And you see me no more. All right? Because I've submitted myself back to the Father. And then he says in verse 11 of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have, many yet, many, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you. And I shared all this about, about uh, the Hegelmite, you know, the one that leads with official authority, and how that he's not going to speak of himself, the Holy Ghost, but whatsoever Jesus, whatever he hears from the Lord, Jesus, that shall he speak, and he will show you, which means announce you things to come. So he's, he's getting us to that place where we announce and we bring forth what the Lord brings to us in our spirits, amen, by the Spirit. Now, I'm sharing all that to say that... <clears throat> He says, uh, 
he will reprove the world of sin. And reprove here is to confute, to convict, generally with the suggestion of shame of personal of the person convicted, right? He's going to admonish. He's going to correct the world. Now, one thing about the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God and the word of God and the spirit of God and so on and so on and so on, you cannot curse what is blessed. And you cannot bless what is cursed. You see? So, for example, I remember I was in a meeting one time and uh, there was a song being played as an intro song. And it was about the 300, right? The, this movie, um, you know, about these Roman soldiers, warriors. And uh, anyway, it grieved my spirit, man. Right? <clears throat> So right here he says, and when he's come, he will approve the world of sin. See, whatever's of the world, whatever comes from that source, which is demonically inspired, right, that doesn't come from God and your spirit, there's a problem with that, right? A man's confession, right, what comes out of his mouth is a result of his belief, what he believes, the belief system. A man's belief system is a result of his thinking, what he's thinking on, what he's meditating on, what he's pouring over, right, meditating and so on. And then a man's thinking is a result of his knowledge, right? Where did he get that information, right? The knowledge source, the knowledge base. And then, of course, there's only two sources. It's God or the devil, right? And uh, <clears throat> interestingly enough, you know, we think that it's okay to merge and blend with the world. We don't understand here that this spirit of truth, he's the Holy Spirit. He's sanctified unto the Lord exclusively. And so God in our walk with the Lord and in the will of God, right? The word of God is, um, the word of God is, the will of God is the word of God. The word of God is the way of God. And the way of God brings you into the work of God. So how things are done, right, the way of God, is very important, right, in our in our walk with the Lord and in, in, in the work that God has us doing in the earth today. You have the some that are coming out of their spirit man, some that are coming out of their soul. And the thing is, when we're constantly involved in the world and its perversions and its music and its philosophies and its views and its thinking and, and, the, and the way they believe and its philosophies and carrying on after the world, I saw someone on Facebook posted uh, information on how to get an attorney so you can have peaceful protests, right? Well, the interesting thing about that is, is that this battle that we're fighting, right, this rage that's going on to the world, first of all, Jesus said, woe unto the world because of offenses, right? It's going to be anguish and sorrow and pain unto the world because of offenses. Isn't that interesting? Right? Woe unto the world. All right? Because of offenses. Well, the world is offended. They don't understand forgiveness. They don't want to forgive one another. They don't want to overlook, right, when someone crosses them wrong. As a matter of fact, the, the mindset of the world is that if you do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. I'm offended, therefore I'm going to hold, cut back on you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you. I'm going to do something to make you pay. That's the way the world operates. And so it's sad when we operate like that in our marriages, right? Where one hurts us, your wife, your husband, 
and you get offended and then you hold back from them. You cut them off, if you will. Well, that's a sad place to be at, right? And obviously the higher the value, the more you value the individual that hurt you, the more it hurts. And on the flip side of that, the more alive you are, your soul, the quicker you're going to be offended. So again, this is the way the world operates, right? They're involved in constant offenses and offenses and offenses. So woe unto the world because of this, right? Now the solution is, is forgiveness, right? And that's what Jesus Christ taught us, right? He said that, which Peter asked him, how many times should I forgive my brother, right? And Jesus said, seven. No, he asked him seven times. Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. You continuously have that attitude of forgiveness, amen, in your heart. Because if you do not, you're going to have aught in your heart. You're going to have an offense towards a brother or sister or someone in your heart. And when you go to the Father in prayer, your prayer is not going to be heard, right? And I was, you know, commenting and remarking to myself in my head <laughs> that how much, how honorable and how much of a blessing it is for our prayers to be answered before the Lord. Amen. It's such a blessing, amen, to, to know that when you make a request to the Father in the will of God, by the word of God, and faith toward God, from his word, not just stuff, that uh, he's so honorable and he's so faithful to that word and he will perform it. Now, how do we come to that place where these promises are, we're experiencing in these promises? Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. But I wanted to share something here with you about... Uh, a passage of, like I said, I was reading that scripture in Joshua, and he says, choose you this day when you're going to serve. If it's the Lord God, then serve him, right? If it's if it's the gods of your fathers, of the Ammonites, and the Egypt, and the world, wherever you came from, then serve them. Make a choice, in other words. And Jesus taught us this clearly, right? He says, I don't want you to be lukewarm for me, in me. I either want you to be hot or cold. Make a choice, Amen. Because if you're serving God and you're full of mixtures and over, overtones, right? The seed is all mingled. You got delivery of the word and you got the references to the world. The philosophies and the views are coming from the world, right? If you have that in your heart and in your life, then there's no point of you coming before the Lord because God is so holy that he cannot acknowledge all that perversion. He can't acknowledge you if you're unclean. So, sullied, right? Dirty from the world. And if the impressions of the world is all that you have to come forth from, then you're going to be desensitized to your spirit, man. That's why it's so important to stay in prayer before the Lord. Stay in the Word of God, amen. Fellowship the Word of the Lord. Fellowship your brothers and sisters, amen. Be involved in joints and marrow, amen. The one that can give, give you life, amen. Just like a joint supplies nourishment to the other bone through that joint. So I was looking at this, and so he said, and, and choose you this day who you're going to serve. So I went and took a look at Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 1. All right. Praise God. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 1. <clears throat> and on that day... On that day, they read in the book of Moses. So they opened up the book of Moses in the audience of the people, Nehemiah. And there was found written that the Ammonites and the Moabite 
the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them, howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Isn't that beautiful? It's that whatever, whatever the enemy is trying to curse us with, God is going to turn it to our blessing. That's a promise right there, praise God. And it was a fulfillment of the word in Genesis 12, 3, that I will bless those that will bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. The Ammonites and the Moabites cursed the people of God, therefore they were cursed. You cannot bless what is cursed, you cannot curse what is blessed. Like I was saying is that you, the world and whatever's coming forth out of the world, it's already judged. It's unrighteous, it's unholy, it's unsanctified, it's, it's not pure. It's not from your spirit. It's not from the Spirit of God. It's not from the Word of God. So it's very important that we understand that you bless what God is blessed and you, and whatever is cursed is cursed. Hmm. That's the power of our words, amen. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, Father, for your faithfulness and how that you promise in your word, Father, that you will bless what we bless and you will curse what we curse according to your word, Father. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, Father God, that the less is blessed of the greater, glory to God. And that's a principle of the, of the blessing and how it flows, is that the less is blessed of the greater, right? It's important to understand that. The less us is blessed of the greater God, our Father. Talking about mixtures and overtones, I was reading another... Uh, Another post, and an individual was talking about uh, the blending of, not the blending, but what, what, what it's doing, it's blending the ideas and the philosophies of, of uh, a mentor, right? Mentor is for Babylon, but fatherhood is for the fathers are the kingdom of God. Just another line of distinction there, the gods of their fathers whom you serve. That came from the world, philosophies and views. Didn't come from the kingdom of God, amen? Right? The, the scripture talks about the wisdom that's from God that is from above is first pure, right? Let me see if I can go and locate that one real quick. It's in James, I know. Right? It's first pure. The wisdom that comes from God. James chapter 3, verse 17. Take a look at that real quick. So we have to understand the origin. Where did it come from? Why is it so important? I mean, why would God care? Well, because something that comes out of your spirit is pure, but if it gets tainted with the soul, right, it's aborted. The seed does not produce after its kind. No work of the spirit is done. Verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Don't even try to come before the Lord until you get your heart right. This wisdom in operating like that, right? This wisdom descends not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. Devilish is diamond. Uh, can you read that one? Diamond iodes, iode, demon-like. In other words, now so it descends not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. Earthly is worldly, right? Sensual is the word sukikos, where we get the word soulish, right? All right. 
For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is above is first pure, glory to God. The wisdom that comes from above is what comes out of your spirit, man, that heavenly realm. You must be born again, as Jesus said. Born again is being born from above, initiated and driven from above. Jesus Christ was born again. He was born of a Virgin Mary, and the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. That's what the Bible says. So it's first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, good for persuasion, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, amen, and without hypocrisy. Amen, sincere. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You can't even sow this fruit of the kingdom of God unless there's governments in your life. There must be governments before there's peace. If the establishment of Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life is not in your life, there's no point in you sowing righteousness. Because Jesus said, in that day did we not cast out devils? Did we not heal the sick? Did we not raise the dead? Did we not cleanse the lepers? Whatever. He's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. There's a way of God, and that way must be honored by the saints of God, the holy ones of God, the people of God, the brothers and sisters, amen? So now back to, uh, back to talking about the Moabites and the Ammonites, right? They cursed. They did not honor the children of God with bread and water when they came through, but hired Balaam against them. And Balaam is that attitude where you sell yourself out for money, right? For favor, for position, for some, some type of recognition that doesn't come from the Lord. It's come from the world. So they wanted Balaam to curse them, but he wouldn't curse them because he said, how can I curse what's blessed? Well, he knew that. So what he did, it was when he's going to train them how to get their wives to marry their husbands, their sons, and I get their sons to marry your daughters, the daughters of the Moabites and so on. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, starting with verse 2, it says, A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. What's the deal with that? Well, someone that's without correction in their lives, because the scripture said in Hebrews chapter 12, What son is he when the father doesn't correct? Are you bastards and not sons? You must be able to receive correction. You must be understand. You must understand the Spirit of God and what he's doing in your heart. Amen. And correcting your life. Amen. If what I'm saying to you, for example, is grinding your soul, well, that's the Holy Ghost. Amen. You got to acknowledge that. And he says, an Ammonite and a Moabite, verse 3, shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their tenth generation. And they shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Because they met you not with bread and water in the way when ye came forth out of Egypt. And because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor of Pithor, of Mesopotamia to curse thee. Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing because the Lord your God loves you. Amen? So in Joshua 24, 9 through 10, Then Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam the son of Beor to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. You see that? So it's just some examples there of, of the way of the Lord. Is you, you cannot bless 
what is cursed. And you cannot curse what is blessed. The curse causeless shall not come, praise God. And now verse 3 of Nehemiah, Now it came to pass when they had heard the law, that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. Amen? They went and cleaned the house, amen? Took out all the perversion. And before this, verse 4, Eliashib the priest, having, his, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of God, was called un, was allied unto Tobiah. Now here's another problem right here. Tobiah was an individual that was married to the to Elisha, his daughter. So they were in alliance. Now, Tobiah, the problem with him was that he was from the wrong, he was an Ammonite. His father was an Ammonite. I think his father was called Sambalat. Now, Nehemiah 13, 7 through 8, and I, came, and I came to Jerusalem and understood of the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. So in other words, in the courts of the house of our God, he carved out a place for him, a place that was to hold the, the offerings of the people. All right? And these offerings were blessings for the priests that served the people. So it says that, And it grieved me sore, therefore I cast out, I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Took it out, man. And if you look at that in Nehemiah, 13 there again. If you look on down, it, it, it the whole chapter had to do with cleansing the house, getting things back in order, things that have gotten out of order. And these individuals, he realized that there was individuals there that were marrying off their sons to their daughters and their sons to their daughters, to their husbands. Their sons to their daughters and their daughters to their, their sons to their daughters. So again, the whole thing was about, you know, this is all perverted. You're trying to blend with the world. You're trying to be involved with their philosophies and views and principles and ideas and so on and so on. And this is an unholy thing. This is unsanctified before the Lord, in other words. Now, now that brings me to, to what I'm going to get into here now in, in making some distinctions here, right? And teaching us a little by little, line upon line here, a little there, a little. Helping us understand what is not of God, what is of God, right? Because of the source. So in Genesis chapter 19, 30 through 38. And Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zor and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. All right? So he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. Now, I'm going to read this to you the way King James has it. And then I'm going to go back and show you something here. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that he may, we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with their father. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass in the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us, make, let us make him drink wine this night also, and go down in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. Oh. You understand? These were the daughters of Lot, his own daughters. 
And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not that when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger also bare a son and called his name Benami. The same is the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. So in other words, if you look at verse Genesis 19, 31, and the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father's old and the word there is, the two words there is are italicized. So I'm going to read it with those two words omitted, right? And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old and not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Our father is old and not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. So the daughters came up with the plan after the manner of all the earth. Lot wasn't a man that was accustomed, that had not been trained, if you will, to go, to go in unto his own daughters. So it says, our father is old and not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. First of all, this wasn't initiated by Lot, right? It came from the daughters. And they came up with the plan, the way all the earth operates. The manner of all the earth is what they saw in Sodom and Gomorrah. This is what they were accustomed to. All this perversion, right? And so the point here is that, is that Lot was not a man that would go in unto his daughters after the manner of all the earth, the way the, the, the fathers came into their daughters and the mothers had sex with their sons and so on. That's the way the earth was operating at that time. And even so, even unto this day, right? And the firstborn said unto the younger, right? This is, again, con concocted by a demonic uh, perversion. And when you look at the definition of uh, Moab, a son of Lot by his eldest daughter, a nation descended from the son of Lot, the land inhabited by the descendants of the son of Lot. And then it says in the Strong's, uh, Father Moab, an incestuous son of Lot. Incestuous. Now, some of the synonyms for incestuous are carnal, depraved, lewd, and interbred. All right? And incestuous, you know, like I said, it's, it's someone that's been uh, generated from their own father. In other words, it's like me if I had daughters, you see. And we, we know what incest is, right? But I need you to understand something here is that where this came from and who the Moabites were and the Ammonites were, right? Now, the second one here, uh, Ammonites, all right? It says uh, in the Strong's, tribal, that is, inbred, Ammon, a son of Lot. Now, when you look at this definition for inbred, look at this. Inbred means the same as inborn, okay? People that who were inbred have ancestors, ancestors who are all closely related to each other. Amen? And it says that there's no genetic differences that remain. 
The whole population is so inbred that no genetic differences remain. And what the Spirit of the Lord showed me, it says that, that the kingdom of God produces sons and daughters that are all unique in their own operation. But when you're involved in the Babylonian system that's all inbred and tribal, they only hang out amongst their own kind. Their own kind of preaching the message that they preach, the philosophies that they have, the views that they have. And so part of the definition there, it says that they don't want to be a part of uh, another ideas. People who are inbred have answers, answers who are closely related. The whole population is so inbred that there's no, there's no genetic differences. There's nothing, there wasn't anything that could distinguish one from the other. They all looked the same. They had the same philosophies. They had the same views. They had the same principles. They had the same way that they governed themselves. It's called the law of sameness. Babylon produces the law of sameness. Same views, same philosophies, same principles. But when one comes in from the kingdom of God, preaching the kingdom of God, and making distinctions everywhere he goes, because that's what the kingdom of God does. It separates the unholy from the holy, the clean from the unclean, right? Teach my people the difference. And in and, and, uh, Ezekiel 44, so there was a, no distinction there, right? There's no distinction between the way people look. Their philosophies were all the same. They don't want to mix the, the ideas and views that come from other individuals that are not part of the tribe. Isn't that awful? Their whole philosophies and views are all mixed up, man. And that's what, again, what I started seeing is that, is that uh, an incestuous relationship, right? Intercourse between two members of the same family. If you describe a group of people as incestuous, you disapprove of the fact that they're not interested in ideas or people from outside the group. Denominations are an example of a group that disapproves the messages of the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom of God. When, when one brings the message of the kingdom of God, they are spurned, shunned, and spoken evil of because the message of the kingdom of God is to root out, to pull down, to throw down, to destroy, and then build and plant. You see? Synonyms are carnal, depraved, lewd, and interbred. Now, listen, listen to the scripture in Jeremiah 48, 11. Moab has been at ease from his youth and has settled on his lees and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remain in him and his sin is unchanged. They, didn't, they never went into captivity. They never allowed anybody to interject any other philosophies or views or principles and so on into their lives. So, they were all settled, in other words, on their own format and how they operated. And obviously, because that nobody challenged the thinking, nobody challenged the thought process, they never were emptied out. They never were brought from principle to principle, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. So they, 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 their taste remains the same. What they're preaching, what they're teaching, what their philosophies and views are, are all the same from the Babylonian system. The message is all about the gospel of self, entertainment. How to keep the people interested in coming to church, if you will. Not knowing that we are the church. And the scent never changed. They have the same smell and the same taste. Therefore, behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will send unto him wanderers that shall cause them to wander and shall empty his vessels and break their bottles. And that's what I believe this message is about today, glory to God, is to break the bottle and to break that yoke of bondage from this interbred tribal 
incestuous Babylonian system. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, come out of her, amen? Come out of her ways, come out of her philosophies, come out of her views. Don't have anything to do with this world because, and when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will reprove the world. The world is already in judgment. The philosophies and views and everything that comes forth out of the world, it's already cursed. And you cannot curse, you cannot bless what is cursed, and you cannot curse what is blessed. You understand what I'm trying to say? Their philosophies and their views and their whole tribal inbred incestuous philosophies, denominationalism and so on, is a problem. And God is saying, come out of her. Come out of that perversion. Come out of that incestuous lifestyle where you only live amongst yourselves. You, you glorify one another. You, 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 you build yourselves up. And the problem is, is that every bit of that has to be torn down in order to start back over in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said, lest you become as a little child and be converted. You see? Your whole philosophies and views, all that stuff has to be rooted out and pulled down, thrown down, destroyed. Wow. In the Amplified, it says that Moab has been at ease from his youth. And is settled on his lees like wine, and has not been drawn from one vessel to another. Neither has he gone into exile. Therefore, his taste remains in him, and his scent has not changed. You keep hearing the same message, man. Born again. Every Sunday you show up. How many of you are not saved? And even if you are saved, come on up if you got if you need to make your relationship back with the Lord right. Every Sunday. Come on, man. There's more to the kingdom of God, amen. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send unto him to Moab tilters who shall tilt him and shall empty his vessels and break his bottles. So that's what the Lord is doing, man. He's breaking all the ideas and the philosophies and views that are not of the kingdom of God, that are not of the word of God, that are not of the spirit of God. <clears throat> so again, she had the firstborn son, called his name Moab, and is the father of the Moabites. He was incestuous of his own father. And they had to get their father drunk. See, a lot wouldn't have went for that if he was, if he was not drunk. They went into their father because he was not a man that would go in unto them after the manner of all the earth. And so the younger bear son, and she called his name Benami, which is the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. So again, there must be a distinction, amen. God is not interested in clones, amen. Every one of us has a different operation to how we operate in the kingdom of God. And that's a precious thing, right? For you are fearfully and wonderfully made, glory to God. And I believe that, amen. I'm not like anybody else, amen. Now, one thing about it is the kingdom of God produces sons and daughters that are all unique in their own operation. We all serve the same Father, but the Holy Ghost operates in your spirit, right? And you bring it forth after. Of your kind. In other words, the way God has made you in your uniqueness. Out of your spirit, man, glory to God. And so this apostolic career, this is warfare. Warring against the corner inclinations of the mixed, unpure seed. Right? This seed has to be pure, amen, before it to produce after the Jesus kind. Jesus was the monogene. Amen. He was the only one of his kind, monogene. Single monogene. 
And that gene produces Jesus Christ. It produces righteousness, amen? It produces holiness. It produces sanctification. It redeems. It delivers. It brings us into our strength in the Lord and our inheritance. It shows us how to prosper. It teaches us the way of the Lord, amen? This is all who Jesus Christ is to us. He is the head of the church. He's the Lord of our life. He's not just your Savior, but He's your Lord. Amen? So, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, in the message translation, the world is unprincipled. It's a doggy dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. You see that? We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into a structure of life shaped by Christ and the Word of God. Praise God. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Glory to God. God desires us all to grow up, amen, and mature in the way of the Lord, amen. And you can't do that after this world, its philosophies and views. All right? Now we're going to get into our outline now, praise God. And this outline is, taught, is called uh, Macrothemia, Inherit the Promises. And let me copy that out and send it, give it to you guys. Praise God. Well, I trust, amen, that, 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 that the Lord is, is showing you some things about <clears throat> this Babylonian system and how this mixed seed has to be rooted out, amen, thrown down, pulled down, destroyed. And there's the training outline, amen, and if you guys want to follow me along, we're going to get started here. We're going to start with Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 through 15. Amen. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Amen. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That word is macrothemia. 31.15. There's a typo there. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Amen. Praise God. I want to take you out to a passage here in uh, Genesis chapter 15, real quick. Remember that the spirit man, that's where the life, and that's where the presence, and that's where the value, and that's what should be esteemed in our lives. The soul man needs to die, amen, daily. Amen. Now, <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 15, starting with verse 1, and after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And exceeding great reward there is I'm your payment, amen. I'm the payment for you, right? I'm the one that's going to reward you. You don't need to go to this world. The word reward there is the higher the wages. I'm the one that's going to pay you payment of contract, your, your, salary, your, uh, your salary fair, your compensation, your benefit, 
right? And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So Eleazar was the one that said it was stewardship, right? He was involved with taking care of the household and so on. And Abram said unto him, Thou hast given me no seed, no one born in my house is mine heir. So in other words, Abraham says, What are you going to give me that I don't have a seed? How am I going to be assured of this promise that you've given me? How can I be sure? Now, if you've ever wondered about where God is in your life, well, you're, you're asking God, where are you and how can I be sure what you're saying is true? Well, and he started prophesying to him, and in verse 16 it says, and he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. Amen? And we understand this truth, right? And the Lord God said, and he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? How am I going to know that I'm going to get what you're saying? And he told him, take you a heifer of three, year old, three years old, a she-goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto them all these and divided them, split them down the middle, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came upon the carcass, Abram drove them away. Who had to drive out the fowls? Who, had to, who has to drive away the devils? We do. And so verse 12, And the sun was going down, and deep sleep fell on Abram, and lo, and horror of darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And that came to pass, right? So it came to pass, verse 17, that when the sun went down, it was dark. And behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces. And in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. The word covenant here, all right, it means uh, an alliance, a pledge. And then in the Strong's, it says in the sense of cutting, cut, a compact made between, a compact, a compact made by passing between the pieces of flesh. So this was a common understanding, right? How to inherit God and how to, how to come into an agreement with God. In other words, as you look in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, slicing in the middle of the soul and spirit. And who's in the middle of the pieces? The smoking furnace and the burning lamp. The smoking furnace represents the presence of God, the power of God, the life of God. And then the burning lamp is the light of God's word. The spirit and the word, in other words. These are the two things that are in our lives between our spirit and our soul and teaching us how to inherit the promises. So the first word promise here, actually the word here in after so, verse 15 is, and so patience, I'm sorry, after he had patiently endured, obtained the promise, is the word macrothumio. It means to be long-spirited, not to lose heart, to preserve patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. To be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. To be mild and slow in avenging. All right? Now, the second, the, the, um, verse 12, the word patience there is the word macrothumia. And it means patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness, perseverance, forbearance, long-suffering, slowness, and avenging wrongs. Same, same word, same two words there in definition. Now, there's two words for patience, right? 
Hupomene, which means long suffering, I'm sorry, hupomene, which means consistency and faithfulness. As it says in James chapter 1, I think starting verse 2, can it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, tests, and trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh hupomene. Hupomene, the scripture says, 2119 of Luke, in your patience, hupomene possess your soul. So we understand that you stay constant, you stay constant, constant in the word of God, and don't alter your, the word of God in your heart, in your life, and in your mouth. And in, your, in that constancy, you, you begin to maintain the soul. And in doing so, you teach the soul how to be macrothumia, how to wait patiently before the Lord. And long-suffering, and be long-suffering towards the Lord and to one, towards one another. So again, the patience and the endurance of macrothumia is that because you've stayed constant in hupomene, right, faithfulness, reliability constant, right? You In that process, you're being macrothumia, patient. You're waiting on the Lord, amen? And not waiting, doing nothing, waiting quietly before the Lord. Waiting only on the Lord, you see? So now, in verse 12, it says, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You've got to be about your father's business, you see? You don't just wait. Well, you know, we got to do something. That's what the soul says whenever they're waiting and under pressure. But the soul man has to understand to wait on the Lord and trust in the promises of God, that God will fulfill his word to your life, to your family's life, to your brothers and sisters' lives, amen, and in this world. Now, in Hebrews 6.15, it says, And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, amen, so again, he was makrothumia. He waited on God, and God fulfilled His word in his life. Amen. In James chapter five, verses seven through eight, look at these two. James chapter five, verse seven through eight. Praise God. <clears throat> be patient. Be makrothumia, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of our Lord. Behold. The husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Be ye also makrothumia. Establish your hearts. Amen. Set fast. Amen. Set them down. Confirm them. Be resolute. Amen. In your understanding of God. Don't vacillate your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. God is very faithful in coming. In other words, the promise is going to come through if you patiently wait on the Lord. Don't alter the words coming out of your mouth. Stay consistent. Homologia. Speak the same as the word. Amen. In Luke chapter 18 verse 7. Take a look at that one. Luke 18 verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them? Though God is makrothumia towards us, if we stay faithful and continuously come before the Lord, let our requests be made known to the Lord, amen, we will receive of God. Sometimes the answer comes right away. Sometimes, sometimes the response comes right away. Sometimes things have to be staged up, and we have to wait on the Lord patiently. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, when he comes to avenge you, is he going to find faith in your life, faith towards God? Is he going to find that you've remained faithful and trustworthy to the Lord in his word and have not altered the thing that has gone out of your mouth or your lips? 
So Colossians 1.11, there's another one here. Long-suffering. Colossians 1.11. Praise God. Strengthen. All right, so <clears throat> verse 9. For this cause also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with all the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual pneumaticos understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, amen, according to his glorious power, unto all unto all who pominate, that's, that's the word, that's the other word for patience, and long-suffering, which is, again, makrothamia, with joyfulness, right? Not all hanging your head down, oh, how's it going? Well, you know, brother, I'm just... And you have all this attitude of depression, right? And you're not really thankful. Like it says here, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. So strengthen with all might, amen. Strengthen is the word enabled with all dunamis, glory to God, according to his glorious kratos, dominion or force, amen, unto all who pominate and macrothemia with Joyfulness, cheerfulness, calm delight. So again, <clears throat> it's important, amen, that we wait patiently on the Lord. Now there's a couple of more scriptures there. Second Peter 3, 9 and 15. Let's take a look at those two real quick. Second Peter 3, 9 and 15. The Lord is not slack, Lord of God, concerning his promises, amen. He's not delayed. As some men count, Slackness, as some men are tardy, but is long suffering, glory to God, macrothemia to usward, who not willing that any should perish, man, any should be destroyed fully, all right, but that all should come to repentance, amen. God wants us all to have our hearts turned unto the Lord, amen. Turn unto the Lord and understand that we serve God with gladness, amen. Praise God. Now, waiting for the fruit, James 5, 7. So we have to patiently wait, amen? So if you plant something, right, a flower or a tree or, 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 or you know, a vegetable, you have to wait. Be patient, amen? Be macrothemia, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long macrothemia for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Praise God. He's faithful, man. He's going to show up in our lives, in other words. The coming of the Lord. He's going to show up in your life and bring the fulfillment of the promises in your life of what you're trusting and believing God for. So again, <clears throat> the earth brings forth fruit. Now, Mark 4.28 shows us something here. That when it's time for the harvest, glory to God, it's such a beautiful day. First of all, the scripture says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Amen. You see, in other words, as you patiently be waiting for God, understanding that he will come through for you because he said he would. And, and when you're in that place, I mean, you're, you're in full. Like I said, when you're in that place, you're not all downcast, but you're full of joy. Amen. Knowing that your heavenly father is so faithful. Amen. 
Verse 28 of Mark 4, for the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Amen? When it's time to gather the harvest, glory to God, it's such a, such a joyous time in our lives. Amen? When we see the promises of God being fulfilled. Amen? And you know, daily, we pray. Amen? Sometimes we don't pray all the, uh, at night, but for the most part, we stay prayerful before the Lord, right? As a family. And I can tell you that God has been faithful over this family and keeping us preserved from the evil one, keeping sickness and disease away from our life. As the scripture says, he blesses your bread and your water and he turns all sickness far away from you. Amen. He flicks that switch off, amen, so that gene of death doesn't produce in your life. But it's the spirit of life in Jesus' name, Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. That law of Zoe, glory to God, is emanating out of our spirit, man, glory to God. And it's constantly producing the life of God in our lives. Amen? And God desires this for all of us. So the scripture says in verse 12 of Hebrews that, <clears throat> that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen? Now, so they obtained patiently through waiting, and after and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promises. So again, we have to wait for that fruit to come forth. Amen. That seed that's dropped in your heart of the promise of God, you begin to cultivate it. You begin to pray. You begin to thank God for it because you're speaking those things that be not as though they were. Amen. And you're bringing light to the fact that you're thankful for it. Amen. Even though you haven't received it. And in Christ, you already have. See, until he received the early rain, which is the first fruits, and then the latter rain, which is the full manifestation of that promise. The earth drinks the earth drinks in the rain, the refreshment. In other words, your life should be drinking in that refreshment of the Spirit and the Word daily, refreshing yourself with the Word of God, amen, just like the earth does. In Hebrews chapter 6, 7 through 10, for the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do continue to serve them. Glory to God. God is not unmindful of our faithfulness towards him. Amen. Praise God. So receiving through macrothumia, Hebrews chapter 10, 28, I mean Mark chapter 10, start verse 28. Praise God. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lord, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, there is no man which has left houses or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or wives, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions in the world to, have, to come eternal Zoe, and in the world to come eternal Zoe. So there's going to be tough times, amen, in inheriting these promises. There's no doubt. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. 
If you keep desiring to be decreased so that he can increase, he's going to faithfully fulfill his word to you. But seek ye first, not only the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the world and the Gentiles are looking for are going to be added to our lives. <clears throat> it, the promises, the blessings, the inheritance, 100-fold return comes with persecution, Jesus said. It's a package deal. It all comes together. You cannot have one without the other. How do you get macrothemia, right? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, macrothemia, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. How do you get macrothemia? You have to walk this crucified life. Amen. Because if you are in your soul, you're going to be impatient. You're not going to be constant. You're not going to be faithful to God and his word and the spirit of the word. But they that are Christ have crucified their flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. So you crucify the flesh with its affections and lust. You live and walk in the spirit and you abide in the vine. John chapter 15, 7 through 8. John chapter 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words, my raiments abide, which abide again is to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy, to stay right in you. If my words, my raiments abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Why? Because you've been abiding in the vine. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Hmm. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this tremendous opportunity, Lord, to share, to bring forward, Father God, to teach us again the distinction of this world and its perversion to teach us about this unbred, inbred seed, amen, the seed of, of, of perversion. We rebuke the devil in all his foulness, and I declare in Jesus' name, Father God, that as your scripture says in James chapter 1, verse 21, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. This engrafted word has to cut into our hearts and into our lives, and allow that seed to produce after its kind, which is after the Jesus kind. I thank you, Lord, for those that are partaking today, Father, and those that will partake in the future, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I will sing, sing unto the Sing it all day long. I lift my hands and celebrate His love. I will sing, sing unto the Lord. Sing, sing unto the Lord. My head is ever raised.
Joyful is my song, I sing it all day long. I lift my hands and celebrate His love. Oh, I will sing, sing unto the Lord. Sing, sing unto the Lord. My head is ever raised, my heart is ever raised. Lift my hands and celebrate His love. 